My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 187 of The Kate Show. And today's episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. So before we get into the nine ways that home pros devalue themselves in front of their clients, because that's a big, heavy topic, I want to share this resource with you. You guys have heard me talk about HoneyBook before on the podcast. They're honestly a beautiful alternative to Dubsado, and I know because I have had experience with both. So if you're looking for a professional client workflow that can be easily automated as far as welcoming new clients, sending invoices, getting them to sign contracts, then HoneyBook is the place for you. You can use code SOCIALITE for 50% off your first year. Go to share.honeybook.com forward slash socialite and use the code socialite at checkout. All right, guys. So do you struggle with how to price your services as a designer, a stager, a window professional, or an organizer? Here's the thing. The real issue isn't how to price your services, but actually how to take control of your perceived value. Perceived value is another way of stating how valuable you appear to be to a potential client. You know, you can charge clients whatever you want successfully if your perceived value matches or exceeds the prices that you're setting. If you position yourself as the perfect solution to all of your ideal client's home woes, you are going to be more easily attracting and connecting with clients who are more than willing to pay your rates. However, a majority of the home professionals that I see and work with are shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to making themselves appear valuable. Remember, your clients don't generally base their decision to hire you on your pricing, but on how you make them feel and on how well they think you're going to serve them. So today I just want you to be objective and ask yourself, am I making any of the top nine mistakes that are damaging my perceived value as a professional? Guys, we're going to find out. Before we dive into that, I just want to remind you that if you have not, please follow the Kate Show podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave me a rating and a review. And if you're looking for another good design industry podcast, check out the designnetwork.org. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Perceived value is such a big, sticky topic with a lot of gray areas, so I'm going to do my best to keep this episode short and sweet and really actionable because the last thing I want to do is ramble on and then have you guys walk away from this episode like, well, that was confusing. I have no idea what I need to fix in my business, but now I'm worried there's something wrong. (laughs) So let's try to avoid that. You know, while I see these mistakes that I'm about to list being made mostly by newer designers and stagers, I've also seen more experienced professionals make at least a few of these business faux pas. And in short, that hurts the profitability of a business. So if you've been in business for a decade and you're still struggling to make a profit, one of these mistakes might be contributing to your struggle. If you've been in business for like 10 minutes, you're likely going to struggle with most of these issues. So consider this your warning to avoid as many as possible. Learn from everyone else's mistakes, including mine, because I have made a lot of these mistakes as well. I don't want to make it seem like I'm over here like, oh, I'm so perfect. I never made any of these mistakes. No, no, no. (laughs) 
I have definitely hurt my perceived value many times over, especially when I was newer in business. At this point, I've been in business for almost eight years, so I've had some time to really make a lot of mistakes, learn a lot of things, and learn how to do things better. So let's just talk about the nine things that you might be doing that hurt the profitability and the perceived value of your business. The first one is mainly going to apply to interior designers, and that is passing your trade discount through to your clients. Ugh, major cringe. Interior design business coaches like Michelle Lynn, for example, shout out to her, state clearly that you should be marking up every product that you sell. Passing through a discount to your client constitutes a poor business decision for a few reasons. First of all, you're then limited to only charging for your time. And there are only so many hours you can work in a day or a week or a month. And that really puts a tight, low ceiling on your income potential. Plus, you're hurting your own quality of life. Without markups, you can do nothing but trade hours of your life for dollars in your bank account. That business model is not scalable, and it's the fastest road to burnout. Plus, I bet your friends and your family will miss the heck out of you. But my clients aren't going to pay that, you might say. I have to use my trade discounts. Okay, here's the deal. If your clients get sticker shock at real interior design prices, real staging prices, or the cost of professional organizing, they are not your client. You could offer them a lesser level of service or just pass on the project entirely. Many interior designers specifically have expressed deep regret over accepting a penny pincher client. Those clients are looking for a discount. And if you are passing through your trade discount, well, you are offering a discount. That client will have you working more hours than you will ever bill for, and you won't even have product markups to help create some sort of profit margin. In short, those clients aren't worth it. If you struggle to get clients who don't have sticker shock, you are likely attracting bargain hunters exclusively, and you need to reevaluate how you've branded and marketed yourself to this point. See, I told you this is going to be a big, heavy topic. The second one goes along with it, charging your clients quote-unquote design fees only. The problem with this goes hand-in-hand hand with not adding a markup to your products. Your product markup, according to professional design coaches, should be around 42%. Now, I've been in quite a few design forums, and I'm seeing a lot of you have your markup set around 30%. Could you raise it another 12%? What would that mean for your business? Now, I'm not a business coach, and I suggest that you work with one if you aren't sure how to increase your margins properly. The third issue I see people making is trying to compete with retail product prices. Now, I've seen a few newer home pros get frustrated when their clients say things like, well, I can get the same sofa from Pottery Barn for like 30% less than your price. This often guilts a newer designer into lowering their prices or removing their markup or even sourcing retail instead of trade. And that is a disservice to the profitability of your business. It's a blow to your confidence if you give into it. And it teaches clients that they can haggle with you versus respecting your prices. Even if you make that client happy in the end by lowering your prices just enough, you'll find that future referred clients will have those same expectations, and that will create a downward spiral in your business that will feel impossible to rectify. Now, it's not impossible, but it can be hard to turn that ship around quickly when you've got a string of clients lined up who all expect special pricing. The fourth thing that you need to watch out for and make sure that you're not doing is sharing your profit margins when your clients ask you for them. If you do add a markup to your products, you might get the occasional crazy client who demands to see your invoices. Or maybe it's a wonderful client, but they have a crazy spouse. You know, we've all had those situations. 
The only invoice that client should see is the one you give them for payment. You are not obligated to show clients your trade prices or your markup percentages. Let your no mean no. Your clients need to understand that you are a man or a woman of your word. When your final answer is, no, I'm sorry, I don't share my profit margins with anyone outside my business, there's no room for argument. Now, if you let them argue with you, or you attempt to persuade them into accepting your pricing as is, or heaven forbid you show them your original invoices, you've damaged that client relationship for good. Say no and mean it. The fifth thing you need to make sure you are not doing is including manufacturer names with product lists that you send to your clients for approval. Now, there might be some designers who will fight me on this, and I can only say that I have learned from other designers. So you guys got to do what works for you, but here is why a lot of designers say you shouldn't do this. Not only are manufacturer names unnecessary for clients to see, but including them will also tempt clients to shop around you, even if that means they're just getting estimates from other designers. Ugh, gross, right? Think about it. When you receive a bill from your dentist, do you demand to see the manufacturer of the instruments that he or she used? Of course not. Other professions are rarely investigated or <laughs> harassed, honestly, in this way. Why should your career be any different? Guys, we just gotta stand up for ourselves. Hey guys, real talk for a second. How much do the visuals and the copywriting of your business matter? Well, short answer, a lot. One more question for you. How much does that stress you out? A lot, right? Another short answer. Because unless you have a graphic designer, a copywriter, and a web developer in your back pocket, creating all the right marketing pieces for your brand can feel really overwhelming, but you might also be really tired of brand inconsistency, not having a sales funnel, feeling discombobulated or scattered in your marketing. I get the feeling, and it's not fun. To solve this issue for you guys, I created the Socialite Shop to make it easy for you to get exactly what you need to market your business really well. Website templates with built-in SEO, industry-specific stock photos, and our coveted Canva templates for freebies, ebooks, lead magnets, client guides, pricing guides, social media content, whatever you might need in your marketing. Now, if you're a member of Socialite Vault, you already have free access to all of these things. Plus, you have access to the email marketing and the blog post templates, and those are only ever going to be for our Vault members. But if you're not a member and you would like to use the different Canva templates, let's say you need a lead magnet, you need a pricing guide, you need a new website, you just need all the things, you now have options and you can head over to the socialite shop to get those needs met. So grab the next beautiful template for your marketing by going to socialitefault.com forward slash shop. Number six, offering free consultations to entice new leads is a terrible idea. <laughs> You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. Instead of stating that your consultation time, aka your knowledge and experience, are completely unpaid, because that's exactly what a free consultation means, consider a change in the wording. Offer a free discovery call instead. This 15 to 30 minute call will let you and the potential client discuss availability, expectations, budget, and deadlines, allowing both of you to determine whether you're meant to be. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but you're not going to reserve two hours of consultation time to figure that out for free. Reserve your consultations for paying clients only and pour 100% of your knowledge into those paid meetings. Discovery calls are not a place to offer free advice, 
even though some people will try to trick you into giving it during that time. You gotta watch out for those people. Your time is valuable, and the client will be best served when you are paid for your time. Offering free consultations is not a legitimate way to attract leads, and it does a disservice to both your business and your clients. Number seven, this kind of gets more into my territory, marketing and branding. Not staying true to your brand aesthetics really devalues you. Whether or not you hired a professional graphic designer to create your brand, you should be adhering to the same fonts and color palette without fail. I often see new business owners go crazy in Canva and they create overly designed social media content, for example, that shapeshift with every post. Their brand is unrecognizable because their fonts and colors aren't consistent. This DIY approach, which can show up on everything from websites to newsletters to Instagram, makes a business look unprofessional and scattered, even if the business owner is highly qualified in their field. So just don't go crazy on Canva. I know we all love it, but you need to make sure that you and your work are the focus of your content, not pretty graphics and GIFs and animations everywhere, and not the cutest font that you just found. Trust me, stick to your brand palette. And if you don't have a set color palette, if you don't have a set font combination, you need to get it. Either select it for yourself or hire a graphic designer. All right, number eight, inconsistent marketing behavior. This is something I could rant about all day. Not only does inconsistent marketing result in no new clients, but it also makes it really difficult for people who are thinking of hiring you because it'll make them think twice about whether they even should. So let's talk about this in real terms. If you can't write a new blog post at least once a month, go remove the dates on all your past blog posts so that it's not glaringly obvious that you're inconsistent. Now, Google is still going to know, so there's that to keep in mind, but at least people won't know that you haven't written a new blog post in like nine months. Number two is if you have a hard time keeping up with social media, Assess whether your ideal client is even using social media to make those bigger buying decisions for their home. And if you need more detail on how to figure that out, go back to one of my past episodes where I talked about why luxury interior designers do not get clients from Instagram. That will help you. You can even just type that into Google. You can go to The Kate Show and then type in why designers don't get clients from Instagram. If you type that into Google, you're going to find it. Yay for SEO, right? When you have determined whether or not your client uses social media, you don't have to then post every single day because you're like, oh man, I know my ideal client is on here. No, you could post once or twice a week because that high quality post is going to be far more effective in reaching and connecting with your audience than seven mediocre, really shortly captioned posts will. So just keep in mind that it's about quality over quantity. Instead of posting once a day, post once or twice a week and actually say something meaningful. Now onto the email marketing portion. If you cannot get your monthly newsletter out the door on time every month, or you don't even know why you should definitely be prioritizing it, then you need to make this your primary focus. Outsource it or just simply make time for it every month in your schedule. Not doing email marketing is going to hurt your business. You're going to miss so many opportunities to serve new or repeat clients or have your newsletter forwarded by your tiny mailing list to someone who ends up hiring you and gives you your best, biggest job ever. So that is something that, like I said, I could talk about all day long. I just think that there's not enough people in the home industry who are harnessing the power of email marketing. And it's really sad because I have seen so many businesses flourish 
as a result of simply sending a monthly newsletter. All right, number nine, the thing that you should not do is use lead magnets or freebies that have DIY connotations. So avoid using lead magnets that share things like how to do this or that or top gray paint colors. Because here's the thing, clients hire you because you are the how-to and because they want you to select the color palettes for them. They don't want to do it on their own. They don't want to learn how to style their coffee table. That's your job. Using lead magnets that don't align with your client and instead align with a DIYer will only result in you reaching people who love to DIY. And those people, they'll take your free stuff all day long, but they'll almost never hire you. You get what you ask for in business, so make sure you're asking for the right type of client. Make sure your lead magnet aligns. If you want a client who wants a full-out kitchen renovation with a minimum budget of $150,000, don't make a lead magnet that's how to prepare for your renovation. They don't have to prepare. They're hiring you. You help them prepare. So think about what type of lead magnet would make sense for that person. Now, in my agency, that means your lead magnet looks more like, here's how we prepare your home for renovation, or here's how our kitchen renovation process works. Because now you're talking to the client who's like, yes, do it for me. I'd like to know what you're going to do, but I don't really want to get caught up in the nitty gritty of it. You just have to think big picture about who you want to serve and then create the lead magnet from there. Because I know there's a huge trend right now where everyone's like, oh, here's my top 10 paint colors. Here's how to style your bookshelf. And it's like, that is so DIY, it's not going to help you. And when I have people come to me and they say, you know what, I implemented your entire sales funnel that you recommend, I have a lead magnet and nobody's signing up for it. Or if they do, they just don't hire me. I look at what their lead magnet is and nine times out of 10, it's a how-to or it's a top paint color selection. And that just doesn't resonate with the high-end client. So like I said, I could just rant and rant about this stuff, but that's because I care. And if you guys take the time to set up a sales funnel, I want it to work for you, but you have to make sure that it aligns with your ideal client. So I digress. If you guys need some help with making sure you don't fall into any of these nine pitfalls, if you need support, then, well, you're in the right place. <laughs> Keep listening to this podcast for one thing, but also bear in mind that you can get lead magnets for the non-DIY client by going to socialitevault.com forward slash shop. You can also go to socialitevault.com for email newsletter or blogging. And we are here to help you with all of that because it is so important to maintain consistency, to stop devaluing yourself and treat your business today like the successful brand you want it to be five or 10 years from now. All right, guys, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week. Until then, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.